This podcast looks at some of the steps I've taken over the last couple of years to improve my flying. And it's for people interested in making a conscious effort to do the same. Whether it's taking the first steps into cross-country flying or moving from being a competent club pilot to being a regular competition pilot. For me at least, these steps worked, resulting in this year in my best season ever. And it's not over yet. My name's Judith Mull and I've been flying since 1996. I used to fly hang gliders and then started flying paragliders some years later. I never used to go XC on a hang glider because I had two accidents and so I was always worried about going over the back, not knowing where I was going to land and if I'd know what the wind direction was. I did one hang gliding comp in 2002 and I didn't enjoy it in the slightest so I thought that flying competitions weren't really for me. I started to fly paragliders in 2003, but I always saw it as a kind of sideline really to my hang gliding, something to do on light wind days, or when the carry-up was so bad that um, I wouldn't want to take the hang glider up. In 2005 I actually started to really get into it and really enjoy it, and I started to do it more and more, and the hang gliding took more of a back seat. In 2006 I did my first dribble over the back and did 5k, which was my first cross-country flight, on a paraglider that is. In 2007, I did two tandem cross-country flights with Kai Coleman, who's an ex-British record holder. During those flights, he talked me through every single manoeuvre he did, every single decision he made. Basically, the whole flight was a commentary, and I learned loads. I think those two flights actually accelerated my cross-country learning by years and saved me a huge amount of time making mistakes and trying to find things out for myself. Over the two flights I did with Kai, we did one of 20 kilometres and one of 6 kilometres. And I learnt so much that the following day I went out and did 40 kilometres on my own. I discovered after that that I really love XC flying and the excitement that you get from it. So I started entering my flights in the league. But I think actually initially my results reflected the fact that I can pretty much fly every day, rather than that there was any real skill or in-depth knowledge. I've always had a theory that it's actually really easy to learn to paraglide, but it's very difficult to master it and to fly really well. It takes a long time to really learn the intricacies of paragliding, to be completely in control of your wing and completely confident and comfortable with it. And that's particularly the case for ex-hand glider pilots who start off with this idea that if the wing collapses, that's like the end of it and, you know, it's a terrible thing to happen. Every twitch and every noise above you makes you really paranoid. So it took me some years to get over that and to become more comfortable and more confident in the aircraft. Eventually I decided that I wanted to really master paragliding and become really good at it. And 18 months ago I decided that I wanted to improve as a pilot. But what does that actually mean to improve as a pilot? Well, for me, it meant to fly better, further and safer. And doing those three things would also massively increase my enjoyment of the sport. That led me to think, well, how am I going to improve? What do I actually need to do to become better, fly further and safer? So I decided to do it in a very organised way. And this podcast is about the journey I've been through since January 2009. I'm not very good at just going out and randomly doing things. If I want to learn something, I often need a goal. Um, So there needs to be an outcome, for example. If I want to learn some programming stuff, then I need to actually have a program that I want to be able to use for something else. I can't just sit down and learn things for the sake of them. 
what I really needed was a goal or an event to work towards that would allow me to plan what I would actually do in order to reach that goal or perform well in that event. So I chose the British Open in Piedrahita to try and keep me focused on the task ahead. I applied for a place and I was awarded one. So then I sat down and worked out what I needed to do to do well and to fly safely in that environment. And by that I mean both in terms of the numbers of pilots who I'd be flying with, flying in the summer abroad, which I hadn't done much of on a paraglider. In fact, I'd only flown once in the summer abroad in France on a paraglider, on hang gliders plenty of times. But I also thought, well, I'll have to deal with the competition stress. So here are some of the steps I took to be able to do that. The first thing was to try and fly as much as possible, because I've always had the belief that currency builds confidence. I was most confident as a hang glider pilot when I was flying a lot. I'm very lucky that I live in Spain in the winter, so I actually get a lot of hours in the year. I can fly in thermic conditions all year round, well, sometimes not in Britain, depending on the weather. But generally I can get a lot of hours. And that gives me a lot of confidence because I get a lot of practice with my wing. I knew I couldn't compete on the glider I had, so I bought a new glider and then I spent the winter learning how to fly it. I also put the pod of my pod harness on before I was just flying it with a stirrup. It took a lot of adjustments and fiddling around, learning how to thermal with it with the pod on and things like that. But it was all good experience and it taught me a lot about the wing and efficient flying. I knew that if I was going to go to fly abroad in the summer, I'd have to put up with some roughness and quite strong thermals. This had always kind of worried me. In the place I fly in Spain, the conditions can be quite predictable and you can actually avoid the really rough areas if you know where they are. So I actually forced myself to go and fly in rougher places in springtime, for example in Asia and Berga, to get used to sort of more summer-like conditions and I was okay with it, found that I could actually cope with it. It didn't particularly worry me. And um, it was a good way of actually making myself, forcing myself into a position where I'd actually deal with roughness rather than running away from it. I also tried to increase my knowledge about flying stuff by talking to as many people as possible. I never used to be very good at the weather, but I decided that I really needed to work on that as a skill area very specifically. So I became the house weather person. I started doing the forecast for Spain, so I decided what I thought the forecast was and where we should go and what time we should arrive there. And increasingly I started to do that for the UK too. And because I was solely responsible for the weather, I started to try and do it as much as possible. It's a really good way of forcing yourself to actually increase your knowledge and to start to look around at different weather sources and apply the bigger picture to your area. Because I was quite nervous about flying abroad in the summer and with the conditions that I might have to deal with, I decided it was pretty essential that I did an SIV course. I've done another podcast about our SIV experience with Flyo and that podcast is with Pat Dower and Jeff Minchell. We were absolutely blown away with the quality of the course and although I didn't do all the manoeuvres that I was hoping to do, It taught me that I actually have quite good active flying skills and that my wing really doesn't want to collapse. And I found it very, very confidence-inspiring that my glider really wants to fly. So I didn't have so many concerns after the course about dealing with rough conditions. Unfortunately, when we got back from our SIV course, within a few days I had to deal with witnessing a fatality. 
I was really determined that this wouldn't set me back years and that I wouldn't allow it to sort of mess with my head to the extent that it really, really affected my flying. Some of the conversations I'd had with pilots about the psychology of flying really helped with that. I have had some setbacks because of it and sometimes it's been quite difficult witnessing other people's accidents. But I did manage to overcome that psychological barrier and move on with my pilot improvement. So last season I tried to fly XC at every opportunity and my scores got longer and longer, although incrementally they were not big massive leaps. However, I was increasing my knowledge of XC flying all the time. One of the things I realised if I was going to a competition was that it was really important for me to fly to a goal. When you've never done it before, this idea of goal is this massive thing that you don't know if you're ever going to be able to do. And I wanted to be able to go to the competition and fly in an unfamiliar environment, knowing that I could actually get to a goal. So one day I declared a goal at Bridge North, which is just over 30k from the Long Mind. I was determined to do it. I actually could have flown a lot further that day, but it was so important to me to actually get to a goal, to know that I'd flown a course and arrived at a place that I'd decided beforehand. And it was a huge psychological boost to me. And the idea when I got to the competition of a goal that was a place I didn't know where it was, but to know that I could get there was really, really important and a real help to me in the competition. Over the summer, David Thompson from Scotland and I decided to set up a mentoring scheme. We wanted to have something that wasn't coaching for low air timers, but actually was a scheme that would allow more experienced pilots to improve in a supported environment whilst being mentored by a more experienced pilot. We decided to try out the scheme ourselves first to see if it would actually be any value to anybody else. So David became my mentor, which meant that he worked on my strengths and my weaknesses, and we set very clear goals. He would set me tasks that would actually help me to increase the things that I really needed to work in, but that also reinforced some of the strengths I already had. During the competition in Piedrahita, he also acted as my debrief buddy. This was really good for sharpening up my decision making, because I knew that at the end of the day, I had to justify all the decisions I made in a flight. And um, when you know you're going to have to talk it through and be honest about why you made certain decisions, it certainly helps to focus your mind on actually making the right one. It also helped me to start honestly evaluating what I did rather than sort of having a little bit of, um, oh, well, I did this and oh, well, you know, it was like this. Well, it wasn't. I started to have to really say, well, actually, I messed it up or I flew to the wrong place. It wasn't that things happened to me, but that I made choices and they were either good ones or bad ones. The competition in Piedrahita was a mixed bag for me, but on the last day I got to gold and I was ecstatically pleased with my performance. So I came back from Piedrahita feeling that I'd learnt a lot, but over the summer I realised that my XC flying in the UK was kind of basically, a, I'd come to a sort of plateau. I wasn't really improving a great deal anymore. And okay, last year's weather didn't help in the UK, we had a lot of bad weather and it was a difficult year. So over the winter in Spain, I re-evaluated my goals and I set some new ones for the new year. So as part of the process of improving, I decided to enter the nationals and in order to do that, I would have to get my advanced pilot. So that meant re-examining air law, which is a really good exercise for me. It also meant that I needed a new glider and I had to get used to it and I had to learn to fly it, which is also a very good thing to do. When I got back to the UK, 
My first XC was actually my personal best. I learnt a lot on that flight. I was with a big gaggle of people who were very encouraging in the air. But as soon as I'd clicked over my personal best, I thought, right, well, that's it. I've done my bit. I can land now, which was a massive mistake. So I decided to change how I set up my equipment. For example, I no longer set a go-to to where I've launched so that I don't know how far I've come because I didn't want my personal best to increase by two kilometres every time because I think, oh, well, I've done my personal best. I might as well land now. So I decided after that flight that I needed even more med knowledge. I'd listened to some really good pilots who can predict in advance what's going to happen with the day, when they need to slow down on a cross-country flight, when they need to push on, what time to go out, where, how to fly most efficiently, making the most out of the weather. And that really inspired me to learn a lot more and to make more of the available information on the internet and to learn specifically more about MET. I also became a mentor. It's been really useful to take on this role because it makes you look at flying from a completely different perspective. It takes you back to basics. Not basics in terms of somebody who's got very little experience and is still struggling with actually just learning to soar, but somebody who's a beginner cross-country pilot. And you suddenly have to think of all the things that you used to have to learn, the things that you now probably do more subconsciously. But you have to dig all those up and actually work it all out and try and pass those skills on to somebody else. And I found that that actually reinforced a lot of the knowledge I already had and made me recognise what I already know. One of the particularly useful things for me in being a mentor was a flight that I had with my mentee on the tandem, where he was flying the tandem and I was trying to pass on the knowledge I have of thermaling and working a ridge and looking at speed to fly and things like that. All these things I'd been doing subconsciously, but actually having to verbalise them gave me a lot of, or gave me a huge boost that I actually know stuff and can pass it on. So it reinforced me that actually there's a lot of stuff in there that I know, which was really good because it was just buried in the back of my head somewhere and I didn't recognise it as a skill I had. So when we landed and I reflected on the experience, it gave my, me a huge confidence boost to know that I knew stuff. And that sounds a bit ridiculous, but it did help me a lot. So this summer, I then went to Slovenia to the first round of the Nationals. I didn't do it very well. I had a succession of equipment problems. Um, I didn't have the glider to push into wind because I fly a two. Um, and I had to dig deep when I witnessed my first accident since the fatality. However, while I was there, I had my two longest ever flights and I learned huge amounts. A lot of people thought that phrase was a way of me saying that I didn't mind not doing very well. But I really, really did learn a huge amount of stuff. I learned a lot about stamina, about what I'm capable of, how much I can grip my teeth, um, how to glide more efficiently, how to use my speed bar. I learned all sorts of things that were sort of a byproduct of the competition. I didn't mind not doing very well. I didn't expect to go to my second competition and wipe the floor with everybody. I knew it was going to be a long, hard slog and a huge learning curve. All that learning did pay off because two days after coming back from Slovenia, all that I'd learned in the preceding weeks and in the preceding year finally came together. I flew from Corndon to Swansea, which was 123 kilometres. I'd always wanted to fly to the sea. It's been my ambition in 15 years of flying. 
When I was actually a beginner and I was still learning to hang glide, Jeff, my partner, flew to the coast at Skegness from the Peak District. And I remember picking him up and seeing the sea and just being absolutely blown away by the fact that you could actually get there just with thermals, wind and wind little power. And I've always wanted to do it. So to me, doing that flight was just a dream come true. What was even better for me was that I did it nearly all on my own and that I didn't make a mistake. I flew until I ran out of land. So I didn't actually mess it up with one of my silly glides like I often did in the past. I've checked my goals for this year again and I've achieved most of them already. But I'm not done with improving and I want to do a lot more long and more importantly enjoyable flights. I've found it incredibly useful to have goals and tasks, to have an event to work towards and to have a mentor who I can use to discuss my progress with. There are too many steps that I took in the last year and a half to listen to this podcast, but the important thing for me was to have a structure and work on my improvement in an organised way, checking up on progress on the way. Others probably do it differently. A really useful article by Dave Thomas called My Best Year of Flying Since 1979 is available from our resources page on the blog at www.judithmull.net slash blog and that describes how he made his improvements in the past year. He took a slightly different approach but nonetheless a completely equally valid one to mine and he's become a fantastically talented XC pilot as a result. I've got lots more work to do, but I think I've achieved what I set out to do, which was to fly better, further and safer, and I'm loving nearly every minute of it too. If you enjoy our podcasts, webcasts and articles on the Paraglider, please consider making a donation to support us with our costs for hosting and also to support us in making great new resources. We've got lots of ideas for new podcasts, webcasts and articles and would be happy to produce them but we need your support. You can find the donate button on any of the podcast pages on the paraglider.com as well as on the main index page. Thank you.